Fantastic. Well, here we are, Palm Sunday. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. It's the day that we remember and celebrate the day Jesus enters in Jerusalem as Savior and King. I'm just going to read a passage just out of that just to get the focus of where we're going today. <clears throat> John chapter 12, verse 12 says, through to 15 says, on the next day, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, a great crowd who had come to the feast took branches of palm trees and went in to meet him. And they cried, Hosanna, blesses the king of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. And finally, the young donkey, Jesus sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes sitting on the donkey's colt. That's taken from Zechariah 9.9. Palm Sunday is a very important day in history uh, when Jesus began his journey towards the cross. And we're, we're just days out from that day of Easter. This month on the lead up to Easter, we are preparing a new series, The Power of the Cross. So we felt it was very applicable to uh, pull that apart, what that means today. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those being lost, but to us being saved it is the power of God. The cross is the power of God. So you have two uh, camps here. You've got for those uh, uh, preaching the cross. It's foolish to those being lost, but it's the power of God to the others. It's the power of God to us this morning as believers. The world needs a savior. Like, like they just the world needs a savior. It's a mess. It's a mess. And we find in John chapter 12. Verse 13, as I was just exploring the whole word Hosanna, it says in 12, 13, Hosanna, blesses of the King of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. Some of the crowd had seen Lazarus being raised from the dead. You know the story, Jesus, Lazarus come forth, he came out. People were eyewitnesses of that, and now they're excited to see what he was doing. They're following Jesus, and they gathered other people to this place. And they declared Hosanna, Blesses the King of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. So there's all kinds of thanks and admiration was given in the word Hosanna, but there was actually a meaning, a stronger meaning from Hosanna. From a Greek word comes, there's two, sorry, a Greek word is Hosanna, which comes from two Hebrew words, Yasha, which means to save or deliver, and Anna, which means please, I beseech you. Or other scholars believe it means to cause or to bring about salvation. So in other words, it's please save us. When they were declaring Hosanna, they're saying, please save us. Save us. The world would say, what do we need saving from? Because they are so lost, they don't even realize they need a savior. So we're going to look at this whole word uh, today, sin and salvation. Um, I'm going to start in the verse of 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 through to 6. So if you get your Bibles with you, let's turn. It's good to read yourself. Uh, we do put the words up. Well, sometimes we do. <laughs> uh, that, that was a hint there. Uh, yeah, we do put, put the words up on the screen. Uh, and uh, But it's good also to have a look at your own scriptures because there are different translations and you may just find some little gems in how it's uh, put together. Okay, so 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. And you know that he who was revealed, sorry, and you know that he was revealed that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Everyone who abides in him does not sin. 
everyone has sinned, has not seen him nor known him. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank this morning, thank you this morning for your word. God, as we look into it today, I pray, oh God, that we will be transformed, we will be changed by the word itself. God, let us take it to heart. Let us have understanding. Give us a greater understanding of your word this morning. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to clean these glasses. I hate it when you've got a blur mark right on when you're trying to read something. It changes the letter. <laughs> Let's just do that. Sorry about that. I don't like glasses. It's all good. Yeah, I think it's a bit better. Okay, so let's have a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. It starts off by saying, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. There is a bold declaration there saying what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, as it says, sin is lawlessness. You can't split the two. They are the same. In, that, in the New Testament, the term lawlessness is used to describe those who knowingly deliberately, willfully rebel against the laws of God and man. There are people who despise and defy the law. They refuse to be under God's rule and God's government. They refuse to surrender to God's word and to God's will. They want to make their own laws and want to be their own king and follow their own way. Lordless people cry out in their heart, not God's will, but my will be done. You know, that is the mantra, that is the call of the satanic occult. Thou shalt do all as thou wilt, be the whole of the law. That is totally sinful in, in the whole concept of what they do. But this is where man can fall into that sinful nature too, about what I want rather than what God has said. At its root, lawlessness is rebellion against God, a determined refusal to acknowledge God. John Piper, in one of his sermons, asked the question, what is sin? What is sin? What would you describe sin as? Because we all like to think sin is, you know, as a Christian, we kind of think, when we think about sin, as sin is we think about the world. But you know that sin can also be in the church. It's not just like, oh, reference sinner. It's, yeah, talk, he's talking about the world there, not me. We forget to include ourselves sometimes because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. John Piper says, what is sin? He answers the question by saying this. It is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the commands of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. Well, there's quite a lot in that when you unpack all that. That is sin. That is a big description there of sin. But the problem is not just that we sin, because we all sin. The problem is that we sin because we are sinners. David taught us in Psalm 51 verse 5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Some would like to think they are not sinners, but we all have sinned. And that sin has caused us to be marred as people. Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden and obeyed Satan. 
They became sinners by nature, and the consequences affected the whole human race. How did it affect the whole human race? It affected three ways. Spiritual death, separation from God. They hid and they were afraid. You remember that in the garden? They hid. There's a separation from God. There's the physical death because we're not designed to die, but because of that, there's a physical death involved. And three, number three is sinful nature. <clears throat> we inherited sinful nature. You know, if you don't believe that, as a parent, you know you have to teach your child how to be good. You don't have to teach them how to be naughty. You know. <laughs> I think Sharon thinks I do that sometimes. <laughs> <My kids. laughs> we don't have to teach them how to be naughty. They just do that because we've inherited that sin, haven't we? We've inherited that. We, we, just, we just naturally do the wrong thing. We're kind of wired to do that. C.S. Lewis, the Christian writer, said, No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Isn't that good? Have you ever tried to be good? And you realize, yeah, okay, I'm not that good. <laughs> But all have sinned. I remember being at a big, massive meeting of 10,000 Christians years ago at the Charismatic Convention back in the Wavell Showground days. And uh, there was, it was just great. This guy was just talking about we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, all have sinned. You know, he's making it very clear that there's none of us here. So it's not like, oh, you're a sinner. I can't hang out with you. No, we're all sinners. And uh, he just said that to the crowd. He goes, right now, you're sitting. Stand to your feet if you've never sinned. Expecting, you know, everyone's looking around like, oh, well, we're all seated. And then suddenly two old couples stood up. I think they misunderstood the question. And it must have been really embarrassing to be standing up amongst 10,000 people declaring that you've never sinned. And the, uh, the preacher said, hey, look, I think you misunderstood because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. When we look at the uh, Greek word for sin, it's the word hamartia. I think that's how you say that. Is anyone Greek here? You might be able to correct me there. Uh, it was a military term used to refer to an arrow which missed its mark. You know, they'd fight the arrow, they missed the mark. That was called hamartia. In a general sense, to sin is to miss the mark. When we sin, we're missing the mark. Romans 3.23, as I just said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All short, we just missed the mark. Well, by some way, actually. And missing that mark, it separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities have come between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you from hearing. Put it in a more contemporary version, your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. That's why he doesn't answer your prayers or let you see his face. God cannot tolerate sin. If you're praying right now for breakthroughs, it could be that you need some sin repented of because he will not listen to you. You know, some people start giving up with God because God is not listening. You know, so many people like to put God in a box of like, I go to God, I have control of God. God does what I tell him to do. It's not like that at all. You need to surrender to him and surrender everything you've done wrong to him as well daily. God, forgive me of my sin. I've messed up again. And I'm telling you, as you keep that place of being humble and repent of your sin, God will hear. God will hear and he will hear your prayers and you'll see the outworks of that. But sin is such a separation from God. It's, it's so far, you just wouldn't you want to... I don't think we have a, quite a concept of sin. It's not just to be a naughty little boy. 
is to disobey God. The word itself, sin in the original language, means to uh, the word offense, like to offend God. Is there things in your life today that you're doing that's offending God? Well, if there is, you need to repent. You need to turn back to Him. <clears throat> but the good news in this passage of 1 John 3 is that in verse 5 it says, And you know He was revealed, Jesus was revealed, that He might take away our sins. Because we can get in such a position go, it's a hopeless case. How am I ever going to change? I keep falling into the same trap. I can never break this habit. It all, always seems to be the same. But here it says, He was revealed that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. He might. Depends on you receiving gifts God, uh, uh, the gift of God. He might. That's what it says, He might. He might. It depends on you. You've got to understand a lot depends on you. Quite often we just depend on God to do everything for us. We just sit there and go, God, do this, do this. Like we're directing Him. He wants to direct you and your paths this morning. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who would not want that? Who would not want the gift of God? Well, we need to break away from that sin. And there's only one way that can happen through Jesus. Jesus, through his life, death, he came to fulfill the promise of God's grace for sinners. It's quite amazing when you break down what Jesus did on the cross for us, what he did break that sin. I'm going to run through a few passages here very quickly. In Isaiah 1.18, he removes the stain of sin from our lives. We have, we've carried this, this stain. It's like you ever, you know, you know, whenever you wear a white shirt or something, you go out to eat, you just don't want to order bolognese or anything because you like, because you once you've got that stain on white, it just doesn't come out, does it? It's like, you know, you just scrub it and and uh, I, I, I try to keep away from those colors for that reason. You see, I'm always in dark. You can tell I'm a messy person. So <laughs> I have darker colors to hide all the marks. But there's a stain on our life because of sin. What sin has done to each one of us, it's affected us because we disobeyed God. We walked away from God. We'd not listened to God. And it's like this stain we carried. But the great news is he removes the stain of sin. He's better than any cleaner you can think of. <laughs> Isaiah 118. Number two, he, he erases the record of our sin. Now, this is a good thing, isn't it? Uh, it says in Isaiah 43, 25, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, isn't that good? God doesn't remember. The devil remembers. The devil wants to remind you, always remind you. He's always trying to remind you of your sins. He wants to bring you down. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life. So the great thing is, he chooses his choice, doesn't have to, to remember your, not your sins anymore. I will not remember your sins. Isn't that good? So that means, like, when you come daily to him and say, well, God, you know, I messed up yesterday and I did this and I repent. I'm sorry about that. And then the next day, you've done the same again. Now you're feeling like, I don't know if I can go to God on this one. What's he going to say? I just, just repented yesterday and, like, I find myself doing the same thing again. And you go to God and say, well, God, you know, I've got to come before you. I repent again. I've done the wrong thing, just like I did yesterday. And God goes, what? What did you do yesterday? You know what I told you yesterday, you know, that thing? No, no, don't. What are you on about? You know, God, why can't you remember this? He goes, because I choose not to. 
I choose not to remember it. That's how great his love is towards you. He says he, it says he blots out your transgressions for, he says, for my own sake, for his own sake. How would you be being God, seeing people turning their backs on you constantly, doing the wrong thing, whatever, for his own sake he chooses to forgive? Because then he can look at you in a, in a different light. You know how easy it is to, when someone's really ticked you off? Every time you see their face, you, know, you might see them in a crowd, you try to avoid them and all that. Because they've done something against you, they've offended you, they've done something to hurt you or whatever, so you just ignore it. Well, imagine if God was the same. Like you come before God in prayer, well, God just want to, and he's going, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, not listening to you, <laughs> don't want to see you. No, because he cho- chooses to forgive, so he chooses not to remember your sins for his own sake, so he can have that re- interaction again, that you can come together in a relationship with him. Number three, he cancels the, the debt of sin. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Colossians 2, 14. Wow. There was a price that had to be paid. Jesus took it all on the cross. Jesus, totally innocent, totally innocent, was nailed to the cross for us that were totally guilty. This is, the, this is, this is what Jesus did for us. He cancels the debt of sin. Number four, he separates us from our sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Psalm 103, 12. He separates that, us. Number five, he remakes, <coughs> sorry, he remakes our sinful nature. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. As Ezekiel 36, 26. He changes us. He gives us a new heart. You know, you see things differently. And for those that can remember the experience, you know, some of you may have been brought up in a Christian home, so that's been your experience. But uh, for some that have come into the Christian world later on, like for me, 21, I became a Christian. I saw the other side and entering in, it was like God gave you a new heart. I don't see things like I see things anymore. It's like my old sinful nature. I want to go to this. I'm going, no, 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 it doesn't feel right now. It just doesn't feel right. Some people go, well, you know, I can't do this. You know, yeah, you're right. You can't do it without Jesus because he, he gives you a new heart. He gives you a whole new picture of how to deal with life. And number six, if all of this were not enough, he restores what was lost to sin. In uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 25, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Amazing. Number seven, he is repairing a world without sin. Behold, I'm making all things new. Revelations 21, 5. So you can see there's seven things there that God does in dealing with sin. Amazing. We have an amazing God. But not only that, it says in 1 John 3, 6, everyone who abides, which means a word means to stays with Jesus, in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him nor known him. You go, hang on a sec. You just said that we all sin. It says in, in him, everyone in, abides in him does not sin. I'm not talking about sin as in like those things we do on a daily basis. It breaks the power of the hold of sin over your life. There's a change that takes place. You're no longer bound to that nature of sin. You're the nature of God. Everyone who binds, that's the one who has repented, received Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what we can all do. That is a free gift to us. 
He is walking, is the person who's walking in a different path. When you've received Christ, you are no longer yourself, no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me, and your walk will take you on a different path. We've spoken many times about the path that Jesus spoke about. There are two paths. Wide is the one that leads to destruction, and one is narrow that leads to life. When you, when you uh, uh, confess your sin and you abide in him, he will take you on that different path. For the world is on the wide road to destruction. We can see that. But for us as believers, we need to be on the narrow road that leads to life. The one who is on that road, he is the one, as it says in Romans 10, 9, he is the one that confesses the Lord Jesus and believes in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, and he is the one who is being saved. John 3, 36 says, He is the one who, he who believes on the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Romans 5, 9, he is the one who says, For much more than that, being now justified his by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. There is the wrath and anger of God towards sin, and we need to know that we are set free from that. You know, like daily we do wrong things, as I said, and, and I've often said, what would it look like if God put all our sins up on the screen there? Suddenly, you know, God reads your mind and what you're thinking right now, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> And we go, oh, I'd, I'd hate that. I'd be horrified if God started advertising my sins up on the screen. <laughs> well, today, Mr. Mong P has done the following things. <laughs> That's right, Mong P, it's blank. You're good. <laughs> it's all good. But we, we kind of think like that would be a horrible position to be in where all your sins are being displayed on the screen. But the thing is, all your sins are being displayed on God's screen. God sees everything. So where we think other oh, people don't know what's going on, we're all safe. God knows totally what's going on. And you're not safe until you deal with it. You know, there's lots of sins. As I said, the sins we think about is like the world, but there's so many sins in the church. Sins of unforgiveness, sins of all sorts of things. And one of the strongest stories I, I remember is John Bevere talking about a time where uh, he talked about this, this man who was a businessman who was wealthy because of his business was just going great guns and he just loved living that life of luxury the money coming in all these things but god had a different deal going on god wanted him to preach the gospel message he's he put upon his heart to enter the ministry but he turned that down he so like yeah pretended ah, no it's not god not god not listen to that and some of us do that sometimes but god kept impression upon him and he just denied him well, finally, this man had a heart attack, and he got to see the other side. And he saw hell, and he said he was in hell, and he saw these people in flames and fire and, and crying out. But one particular voice caught his attention. It was his mother-in-law, and this is not a joke, by the way. <laughs> uh, I know the mother-in-law joke, sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is not... <laughs> This was his mother-in-law in hell, and he was going, how could this be? This can't be right, because she was a Christian. She was at church. She came along every Sunday. She had a love for God, and here she is in hell. This can't be right. And as he's looking out at her, crying out, he said he came back alive into his body, and he just had an incredible experience. He started asking God, what the heck was going on there? What happened? What happened? But God got his attention, firstly, that 
hey, you need, you are called to the ministry. But secondly, he said, God, but what, what was, I get that now. I'm going to give my life to the ministry. But what was that? Why was my mother-in-law in hell? Why, why did I see her there? She, she went to church. She did all those things. He said, simply because she chose not to forgive. And because she chose not to forgive, I cannot forgive her, as the scripture says. I thought, wow, that's powerful. That's very powerful. So there's a wrath that comes upon the sinners of the world. But God's heart is that he so loves the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's heart is towards his people. He wants to see as many saved as he can. He wants all to be saved. His heart is for those to be saved. But as a decision that we all have to make. For as when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5.11 finishes off and says, And not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received reconciliation. We sin, and Jesus had come to pay the price. Jesus so loved the people of the world that he gave his life freely. That's what salvation is. He, he came as our savior. He came to save us from our sins. It says that in the beginning of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus came, was born to save the people from his sins. There's only one way. There's no other way of making right with God. People go door knocking. There's... there's cults out there that are taught all sorts of things to go do to get right with God and to uh, uh, believe that they're going to heaven through that. But our Bible tells us clearly that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the Son, Jesus. He is our Savior who saves us from our sins. As we have all sinned against God, we all need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus. Acts, And finally, Acts 4.12 says this, And there is... Salvation in no other one. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other one. No Buddha, no Krishna, no Muhammad, no anyone. There is only one name that a man can be saved by, and that is the name of Jesus. I just want you to close your eyes this morning as we come to close now, because it's the most important question that I could ask you. Today, while you're sitting here with every head bowed, eye closed, where do you stand today in relationship to God? Because you have, if you do not have a right life with Him, righteous life with Him, you stand against His, you stand with His wrath upon you. But God wants that wrath to be taken away. And that's taken away as we, re, we ask to be forgiven, repent of our sins. For He is just to hear from heaven and forgive us of all our iniquities, as it says. This morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never received what He has done on the cross for us, forgiven us of our sin and saving us from ourselves. If you've never Ask God to forgive you. You've never given your life to Him. I want to give you this opportunity right now. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
knowing that you will then be made right by God. Just raise your hands wherever you are. And I'll see that hand and I'll pray with you. Amen. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For great is his love towards us. They would have it that none should perish, but all shall be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just say this prayer of salvation, asking Jesus into our life. Ask Him to forgive us. We do this every week, but we need to do this every week because I just, we just never know when God is going to speak to somebody. So would you all follow me as I say this little prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin and that you rose again from the dead. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior and invite you to come into my life. I thank you now. Amen. If you've said that for the first time or perhaps just a recommitment, God hears from heaven because you repented of your sin. And I want you to know that this is the start of a new life in Him. God does something spiritual, supernatural, when you receive Him. I still remember the day when I received Him, things just drastically changed. It changed my thinking, renewed my mind in the ways that I was living, gave me hope, gave me peace, gave me understanding, all these things. All these things come. But it comes by receiving Him. Let's just stand to our feet. You know, I've started this series off dealing with sin and God's saving grace. And look, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm not here to ask you what that was or what you've done, but I'm here to ask you, will you make amends for that? Will you repent before God? And you don't have to say that out loud. You know, it's between you and God. You know those things, but we need to be free. We need to be set free from this weight of sin that holds us down. Sin just wears you out. But it's such a great feeling when we're relieved of all that, that feeling of guilt. Because I believe there are people in this place are holding some sin that they have not uncovered. They don't even want to address. Now's the time to let go. Now's the time to let go. So as we play this last song, I invite you to come forward just before the altar of God. Nothing more being said. Just allow God to minister to you and know that you are set free. And if you have any other prayer requests too, God is here to heal. God is here, here for you, for whatever requirements you have. So the altar is open for prayer as well. So feel free as the song plays to come forward and we pray for you and believe for you in Jesus' name.